Hey everybody, welcome to New Dad, Newer Dad, episode number 52. I am Eric Smith, and I'm here as always with Dustin Lopez. He's got a microphone at his house. He sounds much better than he did before. Is this thing on? It's on. Okay, I can, I can hear you. Before we get into what we're talking about today, and we have a guest, um, we wanted to mention at the top of the show... Um, it's the beginning of the month here in July, and it's a great time to get in on Patreon um, so you can you know, make the most of your money. You don't want to join at the end of the month because you're paid the full price and then starts a new month. So patreon.com, new dad, newer dad, $5 a month. You get access to our uh, Facebook group uh, with a bunch of awesome guys in there, and we're doing live videos on there. We're actually streaming this episode live in there, so they're going to hear it long before you guys hear it. That's it. Uh, if you want to support the show, if you want to get some help, you know, with any of your fatherly issues, new dad, newer dad, uh, patreon.com slash new dad, newer dad. How about that, Dustin? Did you want to talk about our guest as well or? Uh, yeah, I'm going to, I just, Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. You're not going to, you're not going to say anything else. All right. Uh, Dustin usually dips out on the Facebook lives about halfway through. It's a, uh, that was not a fair statement. Well, uh, I had serious. We've, we've done two of them so far, and you've dipped down on both of them. Well, the first one was kind of ad lib, right? Sure. Wait, hold on. I'm going to go do something right now. Right. Uh, anyways, we we have a guest today. You know, a few weeks ago we had our episode um, following the George Floyd incident, and you know the ensuing protests and everything about that. And you know, we're two white guys. You know, on, there's only so much that we can say about it. And we have this platform, so we wanted to share this platform um, with someone who I, I will have some more insight for us. Um, so we have Cameron Foster here with us of SupportiveFathers.com. That's a, that's a blog that you run, right, Cameron? That is correct. Uh, actually, I started it a few months ago, um, but uh, it's something that, just like you guys, you guys have your platform of wanting to help support dads. That's pretty much my goal, um, as well as trying to help uh, support other dads through any issues, trials and tribulations that we all, that we all face in daily life. Yeah. And I think your, your type of support is a lot more legitimate than ours because ours is just kind of two guys BSing and just talking about stuff that's happening to them. And you, uh, you know, I was looking at your site, you've got, you cover some really serious topics over there. Yeah. I, uh, I, I noticed in a lot of sites, uh, well, first off, there's not many dad podcasts or dad blogs in general. Um, so what we both have is unique. Um, and a lot of, I've noticed a lot of what's out there, uh, there isn't necessarily, it's more, I don't want to use the word fluff cause I'm not trying to minimize what anyone's trying to do, but there isn't as many resources for men to talk about some of those harder topics. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of, I, I, I'm, I'm a type of person that's not afraid to talk about those types of topics with people. And so I wanted to address those because it's in the back of our minds. If, you know, some of it obviously uh, may not pertain to you, but you could come across that and there may not be something out there in case uh, if you do cross that bridge. And so I just wanted to provide that, um, provide, provide that for other men out there. Yeah. And even on your, your Instagram today, what was the last story you did? That one was like, God, it hit home really hard um, with the the guy. Uh, it was just the the silhouette of the guy's face in it. 
it said like dad on the outside, I'm fine. And then dad on the inside and had just, it was just filled with like all these worries and stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. We tend to internalize that. I shared that from another dad page. Um, but I, I, again, I, I continually post things like that because as men, we typically internalize and we just pretend that we have everything. Everything is great and everything cannot be great. And I, I even wrote this in a blog post about the suicide rate in men being so much higher as far as completed suicides versus women. And a lot of that has to do with the, uh, you just kind of man up and then just deal with you, what you're going through. But obviously that isn't working. Mm-hmm. One of the things about the site, just from an aesthetic standpoint, it's not just some blog, you know, this is legitimately like a really cool looking site. Um, easily, you. you can easily navigate it. Um, and like Eric said, there's definitely, uh, topics there that, you know, you can very clearly see, you know, if you're genuinely interested in relationships or, or whatever it is that, you know, might apply to you as dad, I feel like there's just so many different topics there to, uh, learn about. And, um, yeah, I like, I like that aspect as well. Yeah. And there's, there's a lot of stuff on there that like we, we've had pretty similar experiences. I'd say me and Dustin, um and like so there's a lot of stuff that i was reading that didn't apply to us at all but man i can't imagine like the first father's day after losing a child um like i don't even know how we would approach that on this podcast yeah you know believe it or not i had some someone else um propose the idea and he wrote the uh blog post for me but i know there's so many different men out there that have lost a child or there was a miscarriage or and in this case, his child was stillborn. And that uh, guy, his name is Jeff. Uh, he actually, him and his wife used that and turn it into a positive in a sense, that experience where they lost their daughter and launched their own type of uh, organization that provides support for other uh, men and women that are going through that. And, and so uh, him and I had chatted a little bit. Uh, it's called Our Little Sparrows. And he's like, hey, I want to contribute this. And I was like, let me go ahead and get that up there because uh, that, again, you know, he, and that was his first child. So he's still a father. He just, does, he didn't get the chance to celebrate it with his, uh, with his actual daughter. Mm-hmm. And so for him, he just wanted to provide support for men out there and, um and let his voice be known because I, if, if if I have someone on the blog guest post, I try not to. I don't I don't want to take away from their voice because that's how they see the world, and and other men may come across that and they don't know what to do. And so at least I have that out there, mm-hmm. uh, and as well as their organization that they can just go ahead and reference and say, Hey, um, and reach out to them if they need any additional right. support, because he can, he can, he knows what that's like firsthand. I don't, unfortunately, but he does. And so, um, yeah, I thought, I thought that was a great topic to cover just because it's something that we just don't talk about. You know? Yeah, no, not at all. <laughs> Dustin, we've got my, two, my, two of you now. My, I know my computer just restarted, so and I'm had to hop on my phone, but my computer's restarting right now, so I'll be back okay. on in a second. Good timing. I know, right? Do we want to wait for you to do that? Um, no, my my power went out, so it 
now it's back on, but it just flickered. And I was like, what the heck just happened? And that's why I was over there. You guys just are in Cleveland, correct? What's up? You guys are in Cleveland, correct? Yeah. I'm in Columbus, so, I mean, the weather is beautiful out right now. <laughs> I was going to ask if... Uh, yeah, Dustin, would you get a brownout? Something. I didn't know no, you were, you were in uh, Columbus. I knew you said you were from Ashtabula originally. Originally, yes. What? Uh, where are you at down in Columbus? I'm in Worthington. Oh, nice. Yep. I, uh, I've been here for a year. Um, and I can get into more about how I ended up here in Worthington. Because um, I was in Virginia the year before. Mm-hmm. And uh, actually, that whole experience when I was transitioning to... Virginia was crazy because I was in grad school because I was a teacher before. Yeah. And I knew, and we were living in Erie and I was like, I don't want to live in Erie. Uh, you were in Erie too? I went to college in Erie. Sorry. Where at in Erie? Mercyhurst. I went to Gannon. No right. way. Yes. Small world, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You don't want to stay in Erie too long. No, no, no. I had what? been in Erie for a while. I was teaching. And I was uh, doing my grad school program at Edinburgh. And mm-hmm. so from there, uh, back in 2017, I was about to do my internship and found out that we were expecting. And so I'm working part-time because I just stopped working full-time as a teacher. Uh, and I'm like, I know I'm not going to be in Erie. So then they go the whole school year because I was trained to be a high school counselor. And uh, then I got a job offer, which is Pittsburgh this job fair in Pittsburgh, got a job offer to go to Virginia. Okay. And so then when graduation hit, so got graduated my master's on May 12th. My daughter was here May 17th and we were moving to Virginia June 30th. Uh, So that was back in 2018. So that was just a whole crazy whirlwind of a situation to say the least. Um, What was it? What was it like in Virginia? Where, where were you living there? Um, I was in this little town called Culpeper. And Culpeper, um, it's a nice little small town. Um, it's interesting because it, it now Culpeper County is about hour 15 with no traffic from, uh, from DC, you know, DC traffic is crazy. Yeah. Um, but it's a town that was like probably like 20, 30 years ago it was like 2000 people. Now it's 20,000 people and it's continuing to grow. And because people keep coming out, further and further from dc and so it's just an interesting place because um all the growth some locals aren't a fan of people uh moving in just because everything is changing from mm-hmm. what they know yeah, um but for me i i decided i didn't want to be in Culpeper because it was a little bit of a too small townish for me um actually it was a small town but i mean literally everyone knows everything about you um I, I remember I had told three teachers that I was thinking about either coming to Columbus or Atlanta. Mm. And that's thing you know, I had a parent who's not, whose kid wasn't even on my caseload, stop me in the parking lot to ask me if I was going to be moving to Columbus. I'm like, you got to be kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and if you want to move closer to DC, you know, the cost of living is so high. So, um, so I ended up coming to Columbus last July. So we've been here about a year. Now That's you're it. still a Buckeyes fan. Of course. Ne- never left. 
no matter where I'm at, I'm all, I always will be. Well, I had uh, a, a question about um, the episode that we recorded a few weeks ago. I don't know if you had an, an opportunity to to listen to that. Um, I and I just wanted to kind of get your overall thoughts on, you know, how we did, I guess, um, addressing, I, I mean, as Eric said, you know, we have, you know, one perspective on things and I think it's pretty similar to each other. So I think that maybe getting somebody else's input on that uh, and what we talked about and how we talked about it, you know, whether or not that kind of uh, was a good representation of and a good mindset and a good headspace to be in. So when I listened to the episode, it's been a couple of weeks since I heard it. So, uh, but first and foremost, I just want to say, I want to say thank you to you guys for tackling that and not being afraid to address that as an issue. Uh, because in a lot of platforms, people are kind of tread around and try to step around those things. Uh, but in order to, be able to move forward with progress, we have to have those tough conversations. This was like, in, like, let me relate this to your relationship. Say there's you and your wife or your partner is at a stalemate and you don't know how to, and so you can either walk on eggshells and pretend ignore the elephant in the room or in order to progress, you're going to have to talk about those things. And so first and foremost, I want to just say thank you uh, for addressing that. Um, now, as far as like, I know. I think I remember hearing you guys saying that we're two white men. We don't know how to address it. And actually, I kind of wrote. I actually wrote a blog about addressing that with your kids and uh, things like that. And I, I, I guess I have three suggestions that I that I can give to you guys uh, just to start off as far as like starting a conversation with your children. Uh, first, uh, I think that what you can do is just provide literature. For providing literature where it normalizes other people uh, in books for kids, whether it's you're a teenager, you're a small child, just just so that way they see that. Because oftentimes, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen like the Jane Elliott experiment. uh, Where she did the brown eye, blue eye, uh, blue eye thing. And even like her interviewing kids about the doll. Did she do the one with the dolls too? I can't remember, but uh, where kids would identify with the doll that looks like them. And so in order to like help children understand, like not everyone's going to look like me, not everyone's going to have the same abilities as me, providing literature that supports that. uh, So that way, and it's just there accessible. Obviously, you know, you want literature that, that reflects their experiences as mm-hmm. well. Um, even I remember being in uh, an undergrad, my professors even talked about making sure that you had literature that had kids with disabilities. Maybe there's might be a child with a, uh, with a wheelchair. Now, actually I just bought a book uh, for my daughter for a child who is deaf. Cause we don't talk about those things um, here. You know, typically we don't see it. And so that'd be my first suggestion. And uh, second suggestion, I would say uh, provide experiences with with uh, other kids that may not look like them. And I'm not saying that you have to go to the store and just be like, hey, buddy, like, how are yeah. you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Especially like with the old social distancing, but um, going somewhere, whether it's like, I, I don't know what, um, 
I don't know what kind of activities you plan to have your kids in, but um, just allowing them to experience what other kids, other kids that may not come from the same area. It, it doesn't even necessarily have to be a race thing, but you guys live in Cleveland. Maybe you might go out to Chardon and go to a playground or something like that. People in Chardon that's from a rural community. So they have a little bit of a different mindset than, some, than a kid from Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just uh, if you can get out of town or uh, if you go to the other side of town, and just have them interact with people that may not be from their same group. And then lastly, just having those conversations. Um, I, and I have to ask you guys, how comfortable are you with uh, having a conversation about anything that's race related or anything that has surrounding diversity? I know for me, um, I think that it's, this is the way, that's why when you were saying like um, that you were thanking us for like addressing this, cause you know, these are hard conversations I think that the the interesting part is that it's such an easy conversation to have, right? Mm-hmm. From a time perspective, from a, you know, like it's not, I mean, we see all these like memes and stuff like that, you know, these differences are learned behaviors, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a very easy conversation because they don't have any context as children. Right. And so when they're learning these predispositions to whatever, you know, differences that there are, whether it's race or sexuality or or, you know, even the, the deaf example, I think that's a fantastic, fantastic topic to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, I think these are easy conversations to have, especially like, you know, Mateo, my oldest, like his, you know, we, we always joke around, Melissa's best friend um, has a daughter and they're like two weeks apart and we're always like, oh, this is your betrothed, you know, and, uh, you know, she's biracial. And so like just that conversation is you know, so easy to have, like, yeah, you know, she may look differently than you, but that doesn't mean that she's different than you, you know, and it's such an easy conversation to have. I just don't know at what age is like too young. Like, I don't know if he can comprehend that right now. So like we can read like board books and, and we can read storybooks that talk about that, but like he, his attention span for a book is still so small. Like usually it's still board books and like shorter stories, that it might take another six months or a year for him to really kind of get into a mindset of like, okay, now I'm starting to notice these things and I'm retaining the information. Mm -hmm. So it's like constant reinforcement now. And then eventually I'm hoping that it just kind of sinks in. You know what I mean? I could tell you that I've seen babies that I've been the first black person they've ever seen. And they're like, some of them are scared. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, there's, it, 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 you know, a nine-month-old never seen someone that looked like me. Or some of them are very intrigued because, like, my skin looks different than theirs, and that's okay. Like, right. they'll play with my hands or my fingers. Um, and so I wouldn't say necessarily say, well, obviously, you're not going to have a formal conversation with a nine-month-old baby. Right. <laughs> but just that exposure where they're I, – I, I use the word condition to understand under, – understand you know subconsciously like not everyone's going to be the same as you and that's okay and i even talked about in my blog if if there is something that your child says that is that maybe remotely someone might consider it uh, uh not okay to say so like i've had a four-year-old <laughs> that say his skin's brown <laughs> <laughs> or something mm-hmm. like that and point out the differences 
uh, I've seen instances where a parent is like, shh, shh, like, don't talk about it. And actually, I would say in those moments, that's actually a learning experience to have that conversation because they don't have any context. Now, I have, now I will say one time, so at my one, I did, when I was in Erie, I did my internship. You Are you familiar where Wattsburg and Gerard is in Erie? Yeah. Okay. So I did my, so a lot of my teaching experience was in, in Erie. So, um, a lot of there's a lot of diversity compared to out in the county, and so um, when I did my elementary, I went to internship for school counseling out in Gerard. It was a very interesting uh, experience because I would see either I I see fourth grade girls. Um, first, before I tell you this, the context of the school there's one black teacher in the entire school, and out of 650 students, I remember counting. There were probably eight black students, but they were biracial, so they were lighter skinned than me. So I was the darkest person in the building. And I remember seeing little fourth grade girls walking by. I could hear them, oh my gosh, there's a black man. Um, or I had a second grader uh, who actually happened to be uh, one of the teacher's sons that said, uh, he called me over and he asked me if I was Martin Luther King. <laughs> he didn't mean anything by it but um i know his dad had a conversation with him and then but i did have one instance where a girl in kindergarten um and actually i was in the room observing her for the school psychologist i was doing the time on task analysis and she was off task because she was obviously not with the group she was talking to me uh she she came up to me and said uh, you have black skin. I'm like, yeah, I do. And she's like, well, my cousin does as well. I'm like, okay. And she's like, well, I don't like that skin color. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, you're of kindergarten um, and you're already having internalizing those types of beliefs. And so that tells me, and I know that in that particular instance with that family, I know there was a lot of issues and things like that. Oh, look at the baby. <laughs> so adorable. Um, I know that those are types of those are the types of things that they've had a conversation probably in that household, but not the kind of conversation you and I are having right, right. now. Um, and so, again, I mean, I know you you wouldn't have a formal conversation with a one year old or anything, but just exposing them uh, to other things, uh, other people, other types of people from a young age, I think, will help. So that way it's not foreign to them and they don't know how to react. And then when they have those, when they make a comment like, hey, you look like Martin Luther King, <laughs> just have a conversation with them. It's not, I wasn't offended by it. Yeah. Um, but um, I've even had people that, and I knew they didn't mean anything by it. I dated a girl one time. She was uh, from Maine and her mom said this to me. Both my mom said it to both myself and my mom. I remember she said she didn't mind her daughter being a colored boy or color or something like that. Yeah. Um, and then she said it to my mom. We weren't offended by it because I understood the context because there's like no black people in Maine, really. But, uh, but again, I just had a conversation like, hey, that's a pre-1960s term that you probably shouldn't use because other people may not take it the same way I took it. Right. I can, I, I remember a specific, maybe I'm given too much information here, but I remember specific um, 
incident from when I was little, my, my grandpa used to use that term a lot. Okay. Um, and so I, like, I learned it and we were at a, a store here in town and, and we were checking out and they, um, they had this little box with all these, um, um, do you know, like those, those long clear tubes that have like colored candies in them? Yes. So each one of them had like a person's head on top. Like it was almost like a Pez type deal. So there was like boys and girls and there was, there was black and white. And somehow I, like, I don't know if I was making a joke or what I was doing, but I was, I, I had to be under six years old, I think. Okay. I, I grabbed the one that was the black boy and I, I showed it to my mom and I go, look, mom, a little colored boy. And for some reason that stuck with me, but she, like, I don't remember ever being like talked to specifically about that other than don't say that, mm-hmm. which is, you know, there probably should have been a bigger conversation there um, to explain to me why, you know, I shouldn't be saying that. Right. Um, and I don't know just how to fix the, the issue, but I just remember being told, you know, Hey, quiet, quiet. Don't say that. Right. Um, like well, it was an in the house word almost only. I mean, I would say, if that if that comes up with your child, it doesn't have to be a big production or anything right. like that. But an extension of that is you could say, I mean, this is just my suggestion. Someone else might give you a different suggestion. Like, hey, that's not a term that's nice uh, that we use today. That's not really a nice term. Uh, just like you wouldn't call someone stupid, you're not going to just call someone uh, a colored boy right. or whatever. Um, uh, that can hurt someone's feelings or however you, however I'm just ad living right now, but mm-hmm. however you want to phrase it. So you at least connect it with the explanation versus just, we don't say that because then if you just say, we don't say that, I mean, if you tell a kid not to do something, you're going to find sneakier ways to do something. Right. Uh, and I'm not suggesting that your child will do that, but there's a chance. No. My, my oldest is what, three and a half years old. I, I mean, he shows, no signs of bias whatsoever. Like he, he loves everybody. He runs up to everybody. He screams hello at people walking by the house. Uh, was my, my uncle's actually black. So we've spent some time with him. Okay. But yeah, he, I mean, he, he's, he's been in school with, you know, black children, um, you know, every other race possible. He, I mean, my kids are, I don't know if you, you knew this, but my kids are, are biracial as well. So my, my wife is Asian. Um, okay. so this is something that we've talked about before that I don't, I, I know they're going to encounter some type of, uh, discrimination at some point in their life. Right. I don't, I don't know how to approach that, you know, uh, like the correct way to approach that from the perspective of, of me being, you know, their, their white dad and not having ever experienced that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that they're not going to have it that bad. It's just I know that there's something is going to happen at some point in their life where someone's going to say something, um, and then we're going to have to have you know have that conversation anyways. But we should be having the conversation before that, you know, just ex- talking about differences and stuff and and how it's. I don't know. I I don't know. Like it, sometimes I'm wor- I'm worried for my sons more than my daughter because I know that she'll she'll probably have an easier time. Okay, I know for myself, uh, Dusty. Look, you want to say something. I was just going to say, you know, I was, I, I won't interrupt too much, but I just wanted to add in the comment that I think when you, when any child is 
you know, that's able to understand, you know, even Mateo at one and a half is able to, you know, generally speaking, understand most of the things that I'm saying, if I explain it, you know, in a simple enough term. But one of the things that, you know, again, just ad-libbing as I'm hearing you guys talk about this is that when you're presented with a different, when a child is presented with a difference, I think, you know, affirming that the difference is there mm-hmm. and that there's nothing wrong with that difference. That's, yeah. the diff- that's why it's very difficult as a white guy to hear about, um, hear about and try to figure out how to help and embrace, you know, Black Lives Matter or, um, or anything that's in the topic of discrimination. I mean, I think that the, the biggest part of it for me, is reinforcing not to be discriminatory. It's not that we don't all have differences. We clearly do. It's mm-hmm. when, you're, when you're negatively affecting somebody else by that difference, because of that difference, um, that that's when it becomes a really big problem. It's not right. that all police are bad. It's that there's a lot of police that are bad. It's that you know, it's not the differences between somebody's skin color. Sorry. It's not the differences between skin color or, uh, or gender or sexuality that are problems. It's when you use it in a discriminatory fashion and you have that predisposition before ever getting to know that person. That's the issue. Right. I couldn't agree more with that. Um, you know, I, I've been to progressive field and I've had a couple times where I didn't make a big deal about it. You know, looking back, I may, I may have, I could have, but I remember one time there was an Ohio state, Michigan hockey game. And this is back in 2012. I think I was there. Uh, You were there. I was there for the, uh, for the, um, whatever it was called. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, all right. So we were in the same, same stadium, but had no idea. We knew uh, that we were there. Um, but I remember, <clears throat> and I was with two of my fraternity brothers and they were just, their jaws dropped because like, there's like, yeah, I, if you remember correctly, there's not many black people at that game. And I remember hundreds of like, there was like, probably, like however many people, and I'm not trying to exaggerate how many people, but like, there was a lot of people there walking through and guess who got stopped to get searched and asked to, for their ticket and everything. Oh. Um, me, I've also had an instance a couple years ago when we had club seats, uh, at, uh, progressive field and we were with, I was with, uh, two other black men and then with, uh, some other white people. And when you have, when you go to club seats, you have your tickets cause it's all you can eat and all that. Well, they let the white people go through, walk through. And the, of course they had to stop us to make sure that we had our tickets and that we were legit. Like, right. um, and, and again, it's so noticeable because like you don't say anything to that person, but you stop us. And and it, you might someone might say, well, that's so insignificant. But think about the message that you're communicating. Like you don't belong here. And I've I've gotten that message in many different. I think you're I think you're muted, by the way, Dustin. I'm not trying to talk yet. Okay. <laughs> I was just, um, I was just shaking my head. Yes, because <laughs> you're okay. you're so on point. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it. it, it I've been in Erie, downtown Erie, and uh, uh, I don't wear hats as much anymore, but I remember I had a, a snapback hat on. It was probably like 21, 22. And there, me and my friend who's Mexican, 
both had the same hat and hat on as this one. Um, he was white and they let him in the, in the club, but they told us we had to go put our hats in the car. It's just like, come on, dude. Like, like that wasn't, that wasn't cell block. Was it? Uh, yeah, actually it was cell block. (laughs) Cell block closed by the way, It is, but it's happened at other bars, but that particular time was cell block. And that's what I'm talking about. It's like when, when you have, when you take it to that level of, look, we all have differences, but when you're using it in, when you're, you're taking notice of a difference and then you're clearly discriminating, um, you know, that's not a, that's not a good thing and it's not acceptable. And that's where, you know, when you talk about awareness and we talk about our kids, you know, generating that awareness in them, we need to make sure that we reinforce the fact that there are differences. Like when you read any of these books, it's about differences, but it's about embracing those differences as, you know, awesome, different kind of qualities. Like you grew up differently than me. Look, we need to talk to our kids as white men about privilege. That's reality, you know, Mm -hmm. and you need to, to, as a white guy talking to your son or I don't know about daughter I haven't really thought about it I guess I'd have to think more about it and critically think through that but like just privilege in general is is there and you need to make your kids aware that it's there and they need to use that to the benefit of minorities and they need to use that to uh you know to help out the disenfranchised people and the people that you know, haven't been afforded the same opportunity as them on a daily basis, even going into a bar. Right. Now, the one thing that we talked about before is your child being biracial. I have a biracial child as well. Her mom's white and I'm black. I can tell you, at least in my experience, I can't, I, I'm not going, I don't want to speak on anyone in Asian culture. Okay. So I, I, that's not my experience, but I can speak on what, if you're biracial with black and white, um, I know that there's a conversation that I will have to have with my daughter because she's going to be shunned by black people and she'll be shunned by yeah. white people. Like from the from one perspective, as far as like black people, um, and this might and this might sound crazy, but there are people who will say you're not black enough. Um, they'll make comments like, "Oh." being light skins out of style talking about during slavery times when you when you were light skinned and you were in the house versus if you're dark skinned you'd be out in the fields mm-hmm. those are st- things that i've heard i know that people will say uh to my daughter or oh you think you're cute because you're light skinned and, and so which in turn um I actually had a buddy he's biracial and he created a whole nonprofit organization i helped i still help him out with it on diversity awareness and mindfulness and eerie and stuff. But, um, but for me, the way to combat that is when she encounters that is to help her because help her with her own identity and find herself. And so, um, that, that's, so, that's so important to me. I, I think I wrote a blog about building confidence in children just so she understands that she's not less because she's biracial, whether she hears it on either side. And I'd imagine that, um, is your daughter, you said that. What, 
I said that's your daughter that you said is biracial. Oh, all three of them. All three of them. So yeah. all three of them, I'd imagine that they might go through something similar. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know for a fact my daughter will go through that. And yeah. just, again, to say, hey, you are good enough because you are you. That what makes you unique. And uh, that whole identity piece, and it, I, I actually, it, it's this transcends race because especially in those teenage years, kids really try to figure out their whole identity in general, whether you're just a straight white male or uh, you're, uh, or I don't, I don't know. It's just, I think that's just so important that we try our best to build our children up and understand that, that you can do whatever it is that you want to do. You can, uh, with, as long as you know, you're handling your responsibilities as well. But um, if there's a certain activity or not to put them down for their interests or anything like that, or because uh, I, I now like, I, and I still get comments like I'm learning how to play hockey. And so I hear people say, that's a white thing to do. I'm like, that's not a white thing to do. That's something that I want to do. That doesn't, right. that has nothing to do with my race because I want to learn how to play hockey. Um, I've gotten, you talk white, uh, things like that. I'm luckily I'm confident in myself to know like that's just white noise that I just need to tune out. Mm-hmm. Literally. But a lot of kids that like that are in their positions that like our children, they might not have that confidence. Um, and so it's just so I think, important. I think one of the most irritating things that I hear is you, is you talk white, like no joke. It's like one, I, I don't know. To me, it's like, I've heard that before to some of our black friends mm-hmm. and and I'm like, who would who the f would say something like that? Like, that's not even like, no, they just talk different. Like, my grandfather is from Spain. I know it's like totally not even the same thing, but like, he he speaks English, but he doesn't speak English like you know super well. And now that he's like 85, he speaks it even less well, you know. And we give him a hard time about missing words and stuff like that. But it's like just because you don't talk the same way as somebody else talks, or you know, you have a different way of saying the word ask, you know, mm-hmm. that's not, that's not a, a thing to point out and be like, Oh, you, you know, Oh, you talk so well. Like yes, that's I've so that. racist and that's so discriminatory and, and you're ju- and you're making a judgment on somebody and it's a backhanded compliment to begin with. Right. It's like, if mm-hmm. I was using the word, you know, you know, some like really amazing, you know, word out of the dictionary. Some be like, oh, that's like such a, like, no, that you don't need, like, that's such a bad thing to say. And it's said far too often. And um, it's just, don't do stupid things like that. That's just what goes in my brain. Well, I'm glad that you said that. Um, Cause it, it's like, who who are you comparing me to right. speaking so well? Right. It's, it comes it's very patronizing. Yeah. Uh, and so if any you know anyone that when I share this, if anyone that is any of my readers that sees this, or anyone that are your listeners, I encourage you you know encourage everyone to like really examine like should I continue saying that um, because it kind of again it it creates a barrier uh, between people. Uh, Right now, there's too much 
divisiveness going on in our country. We need to come together and and try to build each other up. Uh, it is, I you know, I'm not, I don't want to get into politics or anything, but like that. But it's just like it's just crazy. Like everything has been so politicized, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like it's been definitely been taking a toll on me because I'm a glass half full person and everyone's been so negative and hate. I, I just, and so I just have to remember just to uh, continue just to be my positive self and don't let that drag me down. But yeah, that's a, uh, that's a great point that you bring up, Dustin. Yeah. And the one other thing that I just wanted to say, you know, I was thinking about this earlier, it popped in my head again, is that, and I, it's a question for Eric, I guess. Because we, you know, we're so blunt when we say like, you know, we're two white guys trying to, you know, talk about something that, you know, may seem important. But I feel like it's like, it's easy to talk about this from the regard, I mean, like, at least from my perspective and Eric, I'll, I would like your feedback. It's like, when you're not a racist, when you're not, when, when you're not, when you realize where you're at in life, you know, I have privilege. I've been afforded opportunities that, you know, other people have not been afforded. Um, I grew up in a school district that like gerrymandered a, a black community out of its school district a hundred years ago. And it still hasn't changed. What school uh, district in Chagrin, you know? Chagrin Falls. Oh, I'm, I'm figuring out Chagrin Falls. Yeah. And they were all over the news even, you know, a month ago, just about, you know, this. And so when you realize where you're at, like, and you want to be engaged in, you know, progressive, mindsets and progressive behaviors and teaching your kids and being an evangelist of, you know, becoming more inclusive. It's a very easy conversation and an easy mindset to be in when you're just not that way. Um, So, I mean, I don't know if you feel the same way, Eric. Um, Certainly there are topics that we may not talk about and somebody might say, oh, like, how could they have said that? Obviously, that's an opportunity to educate us. And we're an open book in that regard. That's obviously why we want to get as many unique perspectives as possible as well. Yeah. And, you know, my thing right now is that, like, I'm, I'm sorry that it took me this long to get to a point where, you know, realizing that just not, not being racist, like, you know, like we talked about before, isn't enough. It took me you know, until a month ago to realize, oh, I need to be doing something. I need to be actively doing things and and fighting for people that don't have the privilege that I was afforded. And, you know, that's something that I'll I'll regret for a long time. Probably one of the only regrets in my life is that I didn't realize that sooner. But it's been a pretty easy transition for you because it is very easy. It was, it was just basically the snap of a finger. I was like, oh my God, I'm not doing enough. I'm yeah. just living, I'm just living my life and and I need to be, you know, trying to enact some change. Can I yeah. can I give a suggestion real quick? Yeah, of course. Um so and I've seen this happen and I don't I'm not saying you guys will do this. I've seen where um some people have went in to say like you wanted to go volunteer your time somewhere. Um and it doesn't matter whether again it doesn't matter about if it has to do with black students or whoever or and just going, I would say just anything, especially being a counselor myself, 
go in with the mindset if you're going to do something that you can learn something from others as well as you can impart your knowledge on them. Um, because I've seen people go in and kind of change how they talk because it's like, and again, it comes across as patronizing as like, I'm going to save you and I'm going right, to bring you to right, your situation. Right. And, that, and that's not, if people will see right through that and, and then they'll call you out on that and you don't, wouldn't want to avoid that. And so my suggestion is when you do something, just go across, come across it as, or go about it as, um, I'm here with you versus I'm here to save you. So I know yeah, as a counselor, it, I can't it, we, my wife and I had that exact conversation a few nights ago. And the, the premise of the conversation was that, you know, my, my number one priority is to stomp out and not be uh, tolerant of any sort of discriminatory comments or behaviors, right? I don't want that in my business. I don't want that in my personal life. I don't want to associate with family members that are going to be that way. And that's my number one priority. And that's not an I, I'm going to save you mentality. That's just a, I'm not going to tolerate that kind of you know, influence in my children's lives or my own. And I think if everybody took that as their number one priority, we would be far more progressive uh, in a really positive way. And, uh, and there's no part of the you know, I'm saving you mentality uh, that you talk about because it's, it's prevalent, especially right now. Um, and you, you, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, there's so many people that are, you know, this is just the, the I don't know if it's the cool thing to, to do or something right now. I mean, it, this is just human decency. <laughs> you know, it's like, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you on that as well. Well, yeah, either that or just, I'm just doing this just to check off a box to say I did it. Right. right. Yeah. You don't, you don't have to post it on your Instagram to show that you did this thing. Exactly. And that's, that's been something that I've like, that has frustrated me for a long time on, on Instagram is people or, you know, everywhere is people saying they're doing these things and they're clearly not doing them for the benefit of other people or for them. Like if you're doing this for yourself to better yourself, you wouldn't need to tell everybody about it. That's just, that's how I've been for quite a while now. Just, right having read like a ton of about like Buddhism and stuff like that. That's how I approach things. And, and like you were saying, you know, I, I, I don't want to try and save anybody. I, I, I go into everything trying to learn something. I even have it. I have a tattooed on my wrist to go into everything with a beginner's mind. I'm not an expert that's on great, anything. That's a great quote. I might have to steal that one right there. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, I'm not an expert on, on, on anything besides, you know, uh, friends trivia. And, you know, Dustin could probably name something else stupid that I'm, I would say I'm an expert on, but everything else, you know, there's always room to learn and there's, you have to take something out of everything that you do. Of course. I just want to say one other thing that Cameron hit on was the politicalness of all of it. And I think that it, you know, we need to state that it's not as if there aren't you know, um, movements like with Black Lives Matter, there, you know, there's certainly, you know, bad apples everywhere. You know, there's, there's no perfect, you know, nobody is perfect and no organization is perfect. And, um, and, and no, you know, movement towards progression in this world is without fault. I mean, there's certainly aspects that I could argue about and there would be some people that would be like, okay, well then you don't get it. 
I clearly get it. I just don't necessarily agree with everything that, you know, this person over here or that person over there or, you know, what, but those are all individuals. And again, going back to the idea that this is all about an individual's differences that you need to embrace and learn from and, you know, progress to uh, not being an a-hole, you know, when it, when it comes down to it. Right. 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 I mean, you're correct on that. Um, we, we are free to think what we, I always think about this too, when we see someone in the news getting canned or someone saying, or an out backlash, you're free to say whatever, do whatever you want to do. But remember, there's consequences that come with it. You have the freedom to speech, but you're not, but it doesn't protect you from what people may perceive of you or however, you know, how you go about it. So, um, it's just important just that that people who are and, and, well, and I will say this too. I know for a lot of people, change is hard for anything, and so they're kind of uprooting their whole belief system. I'm not trying to empathize with someone who's like completely refusing to acknowledge like some, something that I may be going through, but um, it's going to take time. I mean, just think about it. We're only two generations uh, fr- um, from the whole uh, uh, Brown versus Board of Education where we segregated, desegregated from schools or the Civil Rights Act of 1964. We're only two generations away from that. You know, it's, uh, it's going to take time, but I think over time people will start to see and be more accepting and uh, hopefully that with the next generation with our kids, there might be issues that they point out that we didn't address and uh, and then we will be have to be forced to confront some of those issues when we're older. Yes, yeah, so I think this is a good place to uh, transition into a book, Eric. Ready? How long have we been recording? Do we know? About an hour. Really? Well, a little less than an hour, oh, 55 minutes. Okay. Yeah, it was just, he, he made me think about cancel culture a little bit. Right. You, want, you want to hit on it? I don't know, because cancel culture, like, there's certain things I understand uh, about canceling, you know, somebody for specific things that they did. It's, it's the pulling from the past, like, and then canceling them for something like maybe, maybe they tweeted or they said or, you know, uh, like with the Kimmel or the um, Fallon doing the blackface on the TV show, if we're canceling everything automatically, are we not? We're we're not giving anybody the chance to actually learn from their mistakes. And this is only with specific things. So I'm I'm just well, yeah. I mean, there definitely there's there is a learning. I'm, there's I'll, like there's a there's a, a hierarchy of like, you know, being canceled. I think, mm-hmm. where, but you can learn. Like there there is a learning mentality here like there are certainly things that i'm not proud of in in my right. life yeah and and even like i have a family member i have two family members that are that used to just be overtly racist and then i have another family member that uh now has uh kind of a well she was biracial and then now they have now she actually is engaged to a black man that now they have a daughter and so they're, those family members have been exposed to things that they haven't been exposed to in the past, and they've learned, and they've 
you know, certainly had kind of an experience in their life that has um, made them a lot more critical of themselves in their past. And there's a progression there that they've had that, you know, that, that happens all the time. Yeah. And it just seems like a lot of times we're not even giving people the opportunity to, to, you know, come forward and teach them or just have the conversations about understanding what they did. And, and a lot of them probably do understand what they did was wrong. At the right. It just seems counterproductive to automatically cancel someone for something that they did, you know, a long time ago and that they probably have learned from by now and would never do again. I don't know. It's a, it's a tangent. I actually, I, I agree with that standpoint because uh, I can see one thing. I, I'm not necessarily for cancel culture in the sense that, oh, we found something that, I mean, there's been things that someone tweeted when they were 12 years old as a, as a little boy. Everyone's trying to figure themselves out at 12 years old. God, nobody uh, should have Twitter at 12. <laughs> no. Everybody should be canceled. That, that, that's an issue in and of <laughs> A whole different topic uh, we can cover. But, uh, but yeah, you're right, though. You're not getting allowing people the opportunity to show growth. Um, so if you automatically assume that they're guilty for something that they said 20, 30 years ago, um, I, I, and again, we want people to change, but if we're automatically going to cancel you, just be, uh, how can we show that change? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's very similar to the example that we, at, that when we first started recording of, you know, when your one and a half year old or your two year old is saying, Oh, you know, this person looks differently than me. The response shouldn't be, shh, don't say that. It's, Hey, let's talk about that. And let's understand that, yeah, we all look different, but, you know, we're all the same. Mm -hmm. You know, that gives that opportunity for education. And that's where I think that it should be. Um, Unless that person's carrying that through all the way until where they're at, you know, presently in, in their, uh, in their life. So um, yeah, it's an interesting topic, Eric. I mean, that's one of the downfalls of social media because people will run with something and then they, yeah twisted into a whole different completely yeah. thing. I mean, thank God this stuff wasn't around when I was you know, in, <laughs> in grade school because I, I was an idiot. Weren't we all? <laughs> okay, you ready for a book? I am. Books. So this, uh, this week's book segment, um, I'm actually going to start off with uh, a question for um, our guest. Uh, am I still on? Did my computer just restart? You're fine. You're on. Oh, shit. Sorry. Can you edit that out? Um, No, I will not. My computer restarted or something just now. You're on. I know. I I can't get back in. I can't see you. You don't need to see us. Okay. Sorry. Are you serious? Sorry. Now I'm back. Sorry. Okay. Um, My... uh, This week's book segment is going to start off with a question for our guest. Uh, Cameron, I... You know, my when I do these books every week, I'm always looking for something that's cool and different topical. Um, and this week I, when I was, when I was looking yesterday, um, my, the book that came up and sounded cool initially was the world needs more purple people by Kristen okay. Bell. And, um, you know, really 
famous person writing a book about something that's topical. Sounds really great. It's a New York Times bestseller. And I get the concept is fantastic. My question is uh, that on a, on a book like this, doesn't it dilute to a certain extent the, the differences that we have when you're, when you're kind of saying it's kind of this difference between Black Lives Matter versus All Lives Matter, right? It's like mm-hmm. the world needs more purple people, not to pick on the book, because I'm sure that it's a fantastic book, but it almost diluted the, the purpose of the book, which is to say, hey, it's okay for people to be diverse. Right. And so I wanted to get your opinion on that, and um, then I have uh, an actual book selection in just a moment here. All right, so I have a question. Did you guys, are, uh, when you were younger, did you used to watch Fairly Odd Carrots? No. Okay. No, I'm slightly too young for that. Okay. Uh, wait, how oh, old too are you old. Guys? Too old for that. Sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, well, I watched that, and I remember there was an episode where Timmy wishes everybody was the same because there was no differences, and then he was in this gray world and was just a blob. Um, I forget. I can't remember what book I read in high school. That's basically on the same thing at the moment, but. And then realize like the differences um, of everyone. I mean, the the sameness of everyone was actually not a good thing because the thing about celebrating differences is that we can all learn from each other. And so maybe without reading the whole book, um, just on the just just reading from the cover, I can understand, you know, the purpose of someone, well, I can understand why someone would write that. Um, but again, the differences that we have can help complement different skills, different mindsets, different things. And if we had everyone the same, how can, how can we, I I would say, how can we progress? Whether, uh, there's nothing to progress at all. Right, because if everyone has the same mentality, everyone see, sees the world the same, then um, there might not be a different, difference in opinion. Um, I'm trying to think, like, it's just like if you were in a company uh, and you had a board, you want your board to be a diverse set of people of different backgrounds, different professions, um, and different skill sets, because then someone might see the financial aspect of something where we're like, oh, yeah, let's do that. And then this person's like, a CPA and you're like, Oh, that's actually kind of illegal <laughs> or, or something mm-hmm. like along those lines. Um, so I guess, uh, in a sense, what you were saying, I, I would have to agree with your stance that it kind of dilutes the, the whole thing, like the different movements that we have going on right now. Yeah. And, uh, so that's what brought me to my, my real book suggestion this week. Uh, it's funny. You, you actually mentioned this earlier, um, this phrase, I am enough. And that's the title of the book. It's by Grace Byers. Um, it is 1139 hardcover on uh, Amazon, or you can go to Half Price Books like Eric. Uh, and uh, the, uh, the concept of the whole book is that, you know, you, you are, it doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter if, you know, Eric, you were saying, you know, you have Asian, biracial Asian children they're going to be criticized one way, you know, uh, whether you're black, you're white, you're biracial, you know, 
there's going to be criticisms that you come across in, in your life and it doesn't matter because who you are is who you are and that's enough. And um, I thought that that was a way better uh, kind of lead in and an education to kids as you read a book like that to your kids because it doesn't necessarily say that we all need to be the same or we all need to be equal. We all have talents and we all have, uh, you know, things that we're really great at. And there's things that I suck at, you know, like I'm, mm-hmm. you know, not, I don't cook breakfast well at all. Melissa, that's like Melissa's thing. Right. But I am an amazing dinner cook. And so those, you know, I have different strengths. I have, um, you know, like I said earlier, my privilege has afforded me the opportunity to become an advocate for those that may not have had the same opportunities as myself. And so, you know, I am enough for who I am and you are enough for who you are. And that's the premise of the book. And I think that's so much better of a message moving forward. I'll ask you guys this question real quick. I'm going to turn it back on you. What is something that you guys struggle with that you're like, I'm not enough, but after reading this, that you're like, realize that you can be enough. Um, I think one of the biggest things I struggle with, um, especially in the last several months, like before um, Solomon was born, um, is being like a good dad that raises a well-adjusted child. Um, and I, I worry about having two sons. Um, I worry about, you know, being too much of a chauvinist. Um, I worry about the words that I use, uh, mm-hmm. that, you know, I'm raising them in a certain way. Am I, am I reinforcing shame? Am I, am I yelling at my kids too, like too much? Like, am I telling them no too much? Um, I know these all seem like really petty things, but it's like, I, I worry about how I raise two boys versus having a daughter or, you know, what am I, what am I raising them to be, you know? And I think that's a lot of fathers have, and a lot of mothers too, probably have that fear of like, what am I raising my kid to be? And um, that's something that I have a huge worry about. Okay. I know that I have my, I have so many faults in my own life that I don't want to project that and have them be the same way. Okay. What about you, Eric? That's a really good question. I was thinking the whole time Dustin was talking and I don't even, like it's so hard to, to nail down just one thing. Well, you already said one, Eric. You you said that you have a fear that they're going to be criticized one day for the way that they look. Yeah, but that's not that's also not something that I can control. I can just prepare them for that. There's, that is there's, something that you're doing, though. Yeah, you're preparing um, them for that, and you're doing you 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 work. You know, you have the opportunity every day to contribute to that. Yeah, yeah, and I also, I mean, and Dustin knows this. I, you know, I. I stress about am am I doing enough to provide for them and for the future and everything? Yeah, especially you know through the last few months with COVID and everything, it's been uh, like we thought this was going to be our year to like calm down and you know get settled in, and then just <laughs> like the years before that were super stressful, and like it, I felt I feel like I haven't like unclenched my jaw in about three and a half years. Okay, because um, I'm always thinking about something, worried about the next step. That's something that we all struggle with. I mean, bo- I mean, both of you. So I, I always think to myself, am I doing enough? Am I showing a great example? Um, but then I have to remind myself that I'm trying my best. And, um, and if I'm in the wrong, admit when I am wrong. Uh, I think that's a huge underrated skill because I don't know with, with you about you guys, I can be very stubborn at times. 
I don't like being wrong, but at least I know if I admit when I'm wrong that uh, that's something that your children will pick up and and understand that it's okay to be correct and get to to reframe your thinking, mm-hmm. whether it's with the topic that we covered or just something like I lost my cool and realized it's not okay. Let's try let's try a different approach on how to interact, with, you know, with the mother or whatever. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah, totally, and that's. Something that I've gotten a lot better at is is being able to, like, if there's something between me and my wife, like, I, I know when I'm wrong and I can tell her when I'm wrong. That's something that she's, she's not very good at. I'm trying to explain it to her. But, um, yeah, she's, I'm not sure I've ever heard her say sorry. <laughs> Cameron, just because we're going to close up here, I want to make sure that your, your audio just did something weird. Did it? And I'll Maybe edit just this out. Mute, yeah. mute yourself and then unmute yourself. Yeah, so we're going to get wrap things up. Cameron, I, I think I speak for Dustin and all of our listeners that, you know, we just want to thank you for coming on. And also, you know, we'd really love to have you back to talk about other stuff. You know, we, we don't have to talk about this kind of thing all the time. You know, there's so many different issues that you're dealing with uh, over there on the blog that I think we can benefit from having, you know, someone that's, that's talking about the more serious topics on the show, you know, a few times a year here. Oh, yeah. I, um, I mean, if there's anything you guys would love to talk about, I'm, I'd be more than happy to come back on. Um, we can. There's many, despite this topic, there's many different things that you and I, that we all can relate to as right. ads that we can talk about. Yeah, definitely. Um, do you want to, do you want to tell everybody where they can find you? Okay. So um, my blog is supportoffathers.com. Feel free to come uh, check check uh, the blog out, uh, subscribe. Uh, you can find me on Instagram or Twitter. Uh, Instagram handle is at supportive fathers. Uh, Twitter is at uh, sup, S-U-P-P fathers. And then you can look us, look, uh, look us up on Facebook, hit the like button. Uh, and actually I just uh, created a YouTube channel as well. So look us up on YouTube as well. Nice. I'm going to start posting videos, uh, kind of repurposing different blog post that I wrote um, put it in a video format so that people can see that uh, if that's uh, their preferred method of uh, taking in information so yeah and uh, hey if you come up to Cleveland sometime let us know if uh, if we ever get back to you know baseball or hockey or anything come watching games with you oh yeah I'm a um, I'm a big uh, I'm an Indians fan I'm a Cavs fan I'm in Cleveland from time to time I got family we can there, so. we can reminisce about Erie What's that? We can reminisce about Erie, Pennsylvania. Oh, most definitely. (laughs) Dustin, you're muted. I feel so out of the loop on this one. It's not that bad to be out of the loop on this one. (laughs) That's what I'm garnering from this. (laughs) So you can find us at uh, New Dad, Newer Dad on Instagram, patreon.com slash New Dad, Newer Dad. What am I forgetting? Uh, Manscaped.com, NDND20. It's going to get you 20% off and free shipping. What else, Dustin? Uh, that's that's pretty much it uh, today. I um, next time that we have Cameron on, I I love to talk a lot about um, the self development um, stuff that he has on the uh, on the website there because I think that there's some really interesting stuff that um, has been written and um, certainly a topic that you know I talk about pretty often on uh, on the podcast here. Just to um, touch on that real quick, I just I joined BetterHelp this week. Oh, did you? And I don't, I don't love it. 
Okay. You might want to talk, uh, do um, talk space is also right. a really good one. She's this person that I got matched up with is like not saying anything. It's like oh. not asking questions or like mm-hmm. I got a, how are you on Monday? And that was it. Well, I have some suggestions for you off right. offline on that one. All right. Well, I, I think, um, you know, besides your, uh, your closeout line, I want to give Cameron, uh, Cameron the last word here on the podcast. Sure. So what, what do you got for us, Cameron? Hit us with some knowledge um, to leave with. Okay, so here's a quote that I love because uh, we talked about social media and things like that. Um, so there's a quote that I tell my students this all the time as a counselor, and this ties into what Dustin was saying about the book, I Am Enough. So the quote is, stop comparing yourself to someone else's highlight reel. Like what you see on Instagram, what you see on Facebook and all that, uh, those, those pictures that they post are typically what they want to show the world. And so when we start, we, we see a lot of anxiety and things build up when we start saying, oh, why am I not doing what that person's doing? But we don't has their own trials and tribulations. And so it's important to realize that you are enough to, and that where you're at, you're supposed to be where you're at and that's okay. So there Perfect. you go. Very cool. Well, you know what they say, guys. Uh, Be a dad. Be a real dad. Read a book to your kids. Bye. Bye.